Merry Christmas. <laughs> My name's uh, Billy Waters. I'm one of the pastors here. And as Katie said, we are just, we are so grateful that you have come to, to worship King Jesus with us. I have one word to say, Jesus. <laughs> he is the reason why we're here to celebrate him, to exalt him, to glorify him. This is the 22nd message I've given on, um, uh, about incarnation, and it never gets old. It never gets old. And I recognize that uh, there are a number of people here who, uh, especially a room this size, have come into this place with various different emotions, and you're bringing different things. We're a mixed bag here this afternoon. I just want to call it out and to recognize that for some, you've had a shiny Christmas. Your whole family got a raise. You've had your presents bought and wrapped in October. You had... You two of your three kids, they just graduated from Harvard, and the third just got their Nobel Peace Prize. And, and, and if that's you, we are so grateful for you. We are happy for you. Merry Christmas. But if that's not you, and maybe you're the, in the place where you just got the notification from Amazon that your gift isn't coming in until December 28th, Merry Christmas. For some, this is the first Christmas with the diagnosis. For some, this is the first Christmas without a loved one. For some, this is the first Christmas where you get to bring your baby. You know? For some, this is the first Christmas that you, you're able to put up the tree as a couple, as a married couple. This is the first Christmas that you're spending together. And there's going to be a few here this afternoon that you're going to be spending Christmas morning with one parent and then Christmas evening with another parent. Regardless of what emotion or what you've brought into this place, we're a mixed bag here this afternoon. We're just going to acknowledge that and also say that Jesus can hold all of it in his sovereignty and in his love. He can hold it all. And regardless of what emotion you're bringing into this place, we are going to celebrate with joy Christmas. And to the extent that we understand why Christmas is important, what Christmas is, and then how do we respond to this Christmas message, we will be able to respond to Christmas with joy. Why Christmas is important, what it is, and then how do we respond. But first, before we look at those three things, let's pray. Holy Spirit, come in this place. Lord, minister deeply to the hearts of each person. And where there is darkness, bring your light. Where there is discouragement, bring your joy. Where there is hopelessness, bring your hope. And in all things, Lord, draw us closer to yourself. We are so grateful, Jesus, that you didn't leave us in our sin, but you came to a dark world, sh shedding your light to a lost and a broken world, revealing your glory, bringing your salvation, and giving us a hope that cannot be taken away. We love you, Lord. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So why do we need Christmas? The passage that we're going to be looking at is Isaiah chapter 9, and the backdrop to Isaiah, specifically this passage, is that Israel was situated, it was a land in between, in between various superpowers. You had to the north places like Babylon and Assyria, places to the south like Egypt, and it was the land in between, and so if you wanted to go east to west, you had to go through Israel. If you wanted to go north to south or south to north, you had to go through Israel, and so it made it a very strategic place. As a result, there was all sorts of pressures that were put upon Israel by the superpowers. The backdrop to Isaiah chapter 9 is that Assyria to the north is pressing in to the northern and to the southern kingdom, and they're threatening to take the land. And the question becomes to the people of God, will you trust your word or will you trust God's word? 
Will you trust what you can do or will you trust what God can do? Will you trust what's in your hand or will you trust what is in God's hand? Will you trust? And there's a metaphor throughout this passage and the metaphor is darkness. Because darkness is the metaphor for the result of when we trust in anything besides God. We trust what we can do, our word, or what's on our hand. The result will always be darkness. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 20 and 22 say, Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, God's word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upward will curse their king and their God. The very person they're supposed to bless, they curse. Why? Verse 22. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Notice this phrase, they will look to the earth. As a result of looking to the earth, they'll be thrust into utter darkness. When we see the problems of this world and trying to solve those problems with the resources within this world, the end result will always be darkness. A.W. Tozer says, faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. The opposite is also true. A lack of faith or faithlessness is the gaze of the soul upon anything that is not God. It's the gaze of the soul upon what I can do, what we can do, our words instead of God's words. And the result is darkness. I found myself the past three weeks looking, gazing, my soul gazing at the S&P 500 and comparing it to a year ago and it went down, what, 17 to 19% depending upon what day you looked at it. Found my soul gazing at that. Found my soul gazing at the bill from the auto mechanic for a couple thousand dollars. Looking at our own checkbook and realizing I'm not going to be able to retire until I'm like 137. <laughs> and I was gazing at all of this stuff and I found my heart just getting all sorts of anxiety just kind of coming up. What's going on? Darkness. Where is the gaze of the soul? Is it upon what's in our hand or is it upon what's in God's hand? Where are we gazing? Are we gazing on what we can do or on what God can do? Our competencies, our incompetencies, our failures or successes. When we gaze upon what we can do, it's always, always darkness. Because we are trying to solve the problems of this world with the resources in this world and it does not work. For example, psychology. I, psychology is important. I love psychology. I have a counselor. He's wonderful. He's clear gives me great information, a great guy. But I will say that in a generation where we have focused more on the authentic self, we are never more of an anxious generation. In a society that has never been put out more material on what it means to have a, a self, a sense of identity, we live in a culture more than ever before in the history of the world that has a fragile identity. It seems like the more we focus on something, the less we have of it. As important as psychology is, it will not ultimately solve the issue of darkness. Let's look at economics. Economics is important. I have a desire to, there is a desire to rid exploitation. I would love to see you know, every person on planet Earth have enough money to be able to care for the basic needs that they have. But even if that were to happen, three days later we'd be in the same mess that we are today. 
because it's not addressing the core foundational problem, which is in the human heart. Is economics important? Yes. And will it ultimately solve the issue of darkness? No. Okay, let's look at politics. I, I believe in good politic, good laws, because laws come from our expressions of values. And if the values are good, then the laws are good. But no matter who we have in office, or no matter what happens, it ultimately doesn't solve the deepest darkness of our heart. I love what Winston Churchill says. Many forms of government I have, have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for the, all these other forms that have been tried from time to time. Is politics important? Yes. Will it solve the ultimate issue of darkness? No. In the words of the hymn writer, long lay the world in sin and air pining. We are in this world in darkness. And the more that we try to solve the world's problems with the resources that the world provides, we will continually dwell in darkness. Woody Allen says, got to quote Woody Allen, it's Christmas. <laughs> Life is full of misery, loneliness, and suffering. And it's over much too soon. So what do you do? When you're faced with this kind of reality, we have one or two choices. Either we can, just, we can face the reality and fall into what Bertrand Russell says, grim, unyielding despair. Or what we can do when we face the darkness of this world is we can just numb ourselves to it. We busy ourselves. We get caught up in all sorts of other things. Andrew Dabanco, at the heart of any cohesive culture is a story that gives it hope, a story that helps us overcome the lurking suspicion that all our working and getting and spending amounts to nothing more than fidgeting while we wait for death. If we do not have a compelling story of hope that supersedes a world of darkness, the only thing that we will be able to do is fidget until we wait for death. We fidget with our hobbies, more shopping, more doing, and we jump from hobby to hobby, job to job, relationship to relationship, ignoring the deep, dark reality that the ultimate problem of the human race is darkness. Now, some may say, what, what happened to hot chocolate? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. What happened to joy to the world? What happened to all of that? A loving doctor will tell you it is more kind to give you an honest diagnosis, even though it is difficult, than a gentle diagnosis that is false. And what I'm trying to give you, what scripture is giving you here this afternoon, is an honest diagnosis of the human condition. Because of sin, we are in darkness. We are in darkness. This is why we need Christmas. We are in darkness because we have wounds that we can't heal. We have shame that we can't repair. We have disappointments that we can't manage, guilt we can't forgive, and problems that we can't solve. That's why we need Christmas. Now, what is Christmas? What is Christmas? This is why we need it. What is it? Verse nine, I'm sorry, chapter nine. The first word is nevertheless. Nevertheless, it's a stark contrast with everything that took place before. Imagine hearing, you're in darkness, nevertheless. You're about to be destroyed, nevertheless. Here's a diagnosis, nevertheless. You've hit the wall, nevertheless. Nevertheless is the hinge in which the gospel turns. 
And this is why we can have a thrill of hope, our weary soul rejoicing, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Why? Nevertheless. Nevertheless. In other words, there's a solution that's being provided to the ultimate problem of the human race, not from the world, but beyond or above the world. What is this solution? Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse 6, what is that light? For to us a son, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So which is it? What's being given here? Is it, is it a son? Is it God? Or is it light? Which is it? It says a light has been given, and then a son has been given. Which is it? Answer? Yes. yes. <laughs> the light is a son. God in his love gives us his one and only son, fully God, fully human. And Jesus says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. The darkness is being scattered because the light has come. Jesus has come. Jesus has come. The light is upon us. The darkness has to scatter. Now, why the metaphor of light? Why? For a number of reasons. Light is the basic source of life. If you don't have light, uh, plants die. You, well, we freeze to death because we don't have the sun, no light. You don't have plants. You don't have animals. I mean, we don't, we'll starve to death. Without light, we don't have life. Light is the basic source of life. Light is also the basic source of truth. That's how truth gets revealed is through light. Our light on our um, garage door has been burned out for a number of months. And I drive in. It's at night, and it's always dark. I get out of my car, and about five times out of seven during the course of a week, I'll hit my shins on a workout bench that I never use, and I trip over a skateboard that my kids have never put away. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> what do we need? We need light. If you've ever been to a room where you've never been before, maybe a hotel room or somebody's guest room, and you're trying to go to the restroom or the bathroom in the middle of the night, and you run into the nightstand, you run into walls, you just run into things. Why? Because we don't have light. Light is the basic source of truth. Light is also the basic source of joy. In Alaska, this time of year when there's hardly any light, by 10 times, the, the, the people suffer from seasonal affective disorder. 10 times more than those that are living on the equator. Why? A lack of light. Light brings joy. Also, light brings peace. When a kid has a night tear in the middle of the night, what is the first thing that they want? They want light. Light is the ultimate source of life, truth, joy, and peace. Jesus Christ the Lord is the light of the world, and he solves the ultimate problem in the world. He dispels sin, sadness, and darkness. And in this passage, you have Assyria knocking on the door, but you look at historically, you know what? Assyria has come and gone. Babylon, the next superpower, it came and went. Then Persia, it rose and then it fought, fell. The Greek empire under Alexander the Great, he rose up and it fell down. The Roman Empire, it rose and it fell. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Psychological systems come, psychological systems go. Economic systems come, economic systems go. Political systems come and political systems go, all except for one. Jesus Christ, who is king, he is coming. He has come, and the coming of the king means the coming of the kingdom. The coming of the kingdom means the coming of life, light, joy, peace, and truth. 
That's the message of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. For to us, a son is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The light has come. Jesus is Lord. Why do we need Christmas? Darkness. What is Christmas? Jesus, who is the light, has come. Lastly, how do we respond? Notice verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Jesus, fully God, fully human, came in the flesh as a baby, lived a perfect life, lived a life that we couldn't live and did for us. He died on the cross for us. What happened on the cross? It says in Luke 23, from noon till 3, Darkness covered the land. Jesus, who's the light of the world, entered into darkness so that we who dwell in darkness because of our sin can be brought into his light. And for all who receive him, we will come into the light and we will be called children of God. How do you, how do you have a gift? The sun is given you can't earn this gift. You can't earn a gift. You can only receive a gift. It's not a matter of trying hard or cleaning up your act or getting your family situation in a place where you feel worthy enough to receive this gift. No, you just receive a gift. There's nothing that we can do but receive the gift of Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when we do, the promise is that we will be light, not only in time, but throughout all of eternity. The last chapter in the scriptures, Revelation 22.5, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The light has come. Jesus is Lord. Receive him. Merry Christmas.